Thank you for joining Associated Luxury Hotels International for this episode of Beyond the Meeting Room. Beyond the Meeting Room is hosted by Alhai's president and CEO, Michael Dominguez. Each episode, Alhai shares candid conversations on a variety of topics to enhance your personal and professional life. Today, we are joined by Dr. Ivan Joseph, an award-winning coach, educator, and leader who has spent his career leading cultural transformation, helping people believe in themselves, and creating cohesive teams. Born in Guyana, South America, he arrived in Toronto at the age of five with only the clothes he was wearing. He is now Vice President of Student Affairs at Laurier University in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. Ivan, uh, good afternoon and welcome, and thank you for joining us. This is uh, this this one is an exciting opportunity for me. I was really looking forward to this conversation because you you were able to join us down in San Antonio, and um, literally in such a short period of time, you you've got so many of us thinking. So I, I want to first welcome you officially uh, to Beyond the Meeting Room, and most importantly, uh, thank you for your time and and your wisdom. And I'm looking forward to the conversation, sir. Well, thanks for having me back. I look forward to the conversation as well. Go yep. easy on me. Don't ask me too many <laughs> tough questions. Here. Yeah, you know, we're looking for advice more than anything. And I know this is right in your wheelhouse. Um, uh, it, you know, the, I, I wanted to start with one thing, you know, coming out of, you know, what we've all been dealing with, specifically in the hotel industry, it's been a hard couple of years. Um, even outside of the humanity of what we've had to deal with with COVID, the, you know, literally the hotel business and the events industry kind of on pause and then kind of on and off, on and off. Um, you talk a lot about grit and, you know, you, there, there's a big focus on that. And um, I, I wonder if you can distill from your learnings and your experiences, how do people get better with grit if they don't naturally have it? Because I think some people are grittier by nature. Uh, yeah. but, but how do you develop it and can it be developed and what suggestions do you have for people? Yeah. And this is a, you know, I was just having this conversation literally with my son. I'm going to share you with you the story, you know, just sharing with you before we got on here, how we all had the bout of COVID. My son's a competitive swimmer. He got in the pool. He's going ready, getting ready for his lifeguard lesson. And he has to pull himself out of the 600 meter swim at like lap one and a half. And he's just embarrassed and he's ashamed. He's a 20 year old kid. That's his mojo. He could do that with his sleep. And he just doesn't even want to talk about it. And he just comes and he goes in his room and he just locks the door. And I just, you can't talk to your 19 year old son at that time. <laughs> so I wait a day, of course. And I say, you know, Sai, you know, his name Sai. I say, Sai, tell me what's going on there. He's like, I'm just so embarrassed. I can't do this. This is like, that's something I should be able to do. And now I don't have the job and nothing's happening. And he just started catastrophizing everything like the whole world was ending for him and i reminded him right like i reminded him that when we talk about grit and resilience it's not about what happens when things go well it's about how you respond to the setback and the failure and so yeah this is something that you're normally good at and you just fail now what are you going to do about it because you can't build grit and resilience when things are going along smoothly when all the sun is shining on you Grit happens in the reflection of the failure. And so we then brainstormed, well, you know what? I'm going to send a note to that guy and let him know that I'm really a high-performance swimmer. I'm going to actually go drive over there and say, I know I didn't do it. I'm still recovering from COVID. Can I come and try again in two weeks or three weeks? Like those are the lessons. So when I say, yes, you can develop grit, but you can only develop it if you fail. If you're willing to stretch and reach beyond right now what is within your grasp, 
And then when you fail, ask yourself this important question. What am I here to learn? Because it's in that learning that the future exponential progress will be accelerated. Oh my God, I, I, I love that. And I actually wrote down the reflection of the failure, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I, um, I, I talk about it how appropriate new top gun movie is coming out and i know (laughs) i'm I'm excited for i i told my team today okay is this weird because i'm not sure if i'm more excited about downton abbey or top gun you know but (laughs) but both are coming out within a week of each other but but there was this scene in the original top gun that i always refer to with my team and it's it's when maverick was sitting there and they're they're on screen showing what he did and they're breaking it down and telling him how he made the wrong maneuver and Tom Skerritt turns around and says, you made a bad call. And, and it was in front of all his other pilots. And I had a friend of mine that was actually in the Air Force and he was a pilot and I used to work with him. But he said, you know, Mike, we review every mission. We review every flight because we all learn from each other. Mm-hmm. And and even when you do it wrong, you're learning from it. And I, I, I think about that because that's life or death. And unfortunately, because it's not life or death, we don't do that enough in business. We don't sit there and reflect and say, you know, I, I, I want to get to a point that we're celebrating the failures just as much as we're celebrating the victories. But that's a hard place for people to get to, isn't it? You know, it's a hard place because they, they internalize failure. They take it on and they believe it says something about them. Right. Right. And, you, and you, what you need to recognize is that the failure isn't about your inability to do the job. There's lots of reasons what happened. You've got to figure out what are the variables there? What are the, in research, we call it confounding variables. What were the things that came in that I didn't know? And if I hadn't known, we would be able to be better next time. You know, since I saw you last, I went to Trinidad and Tobago and played in the World Cup qualifiers. We were up 2-1 and we lost in a minute and a half to go. Well, they tied. And so we ended up not advancing to the final round. And I just can't help but say, you know what? I was rusty. I didn't coach my best okay, what are the things I'm going to do differently, right? That isn't about me not being good enough because I want the next chance. I know the next time out, I'm going to be better. Right. But listen to, this, listen to the self-talk I'm telling myself. I, I want the next chance. Next time I'm going to be better, right? That's really what's critical. Oh my God. Yeah, you know, that's, um, it was interesting because at one of our programs, we actually had uh, Kerry Walsh, you know, the, the Olympic yeah. volleyball player. Famous volleyball and- player. Yeah, well, you know what was really cool? Her answer, and we're we're getting ready for her to get on stage, and she's showing us her medals, and I'm like, so which one's your favorite? And she, without hesitation, she said, my next one. <laughs> and, and already in her mind, she's thinking about, yeah. I, I want one more. And what's driving her? She only got a silver in her last one. Oh yeah, and, and she can't. She doesn't want to try to leave just on the silver. And it's exactly what you're talking about. She didn't at all treat it as a failure. But she's like, I know what I've got to do and how hard I got to work. And, yeah. you know, you're a few years older, got to even work a little bit harder to get there. But I, I love that message. And, and it's something I've tried personally in my life. And it's, it's not easy. That's the biggest thing, because we do make it a, a self-doubt issue instead yeah. of a, a learning opportunity. Um, and, and I'm really excited to to hear you say that, because I've always been that same way. You know, the, the, the thing about sports that I've always loved, I always get a chance to do it again. I, I got a chance to get better. I got a chance to grow. And I, I love perspective because I, I think that is, I, I think that's something we lack as a community as a whole. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we are such a judgmental society <laughs> that we, we tend to judge, you know, in, in our, in our organization, I say very simply, if you tell me you haven't felt I'm not impressed, it means you didn't take any risk. 
Yeah. Because you're taking risk, you will. Yeah. And it's not just the judgmental piece because it's true, but we're also a vain society. We care how we look in front of everybody else. Right. Oh my God. Did somebody else see me? You know, (laughs) I remember one time I was running for the go train. I fell down and I like, Oh my God. The first thing I do, I bounced up. Did anybody see me? Nobody saw me. Okay. I'm okay. (laughs) Right. And if we could let go of what everybody else is thinking about us, imagine how many other things we would be willing to risk. <laughs> it is so true because I, I I find humor in the silliest things, and I think that's helped me with my perspective. And yeah, before we got on, I I was sharing with you. It took me all day to figure out that I had a dirty screen, and I, I'm trying everything in my office to figure out why my my camera was fuzzy today. And it's because I put a big fingerprint in the middle of it, and it took me literally six hours. Of it. I find that hysterical. It's not. At all, so and I know that's small in the per, in perspective, but I think it's the little things that you can find humor in life. And I always say, you know, I, I try not to take, even though life is serious, I try not to take life too seriously, because mm-hmm. I, I think it's important perspective across the board. Yes, amen. Like I, I wanted to ask you, and and I didn't get to hear all of this part of it, but you know, you you were you you had one of the ten best TED talks that that were that ever took place and it was and it was about the meaning of life mm-hmm. um can you talk a little bit to that because you know it's it's something i'd like to know what is the meaning of life <laughs> and, and what know, does that mean in, in perspective well you know the ted talk was about the skill of self-confidence and so the meaning of life for me was this genuine belief in your ability to accomplish the task at hand see how closely it's related to grit And we talk about the role affirmations play, the role friendships and relationships play, the role how you interpret feedback plays, like the meaning of life, you know, you could have all the technical skills that you want, but if you're afraid to put your hand up, if you genuinely don't believe in yourself, you will never, ever achieve your potential. And so that's it. That last line, when I was in in San Antonio and I closed in this last line, believe in yourself and the rest of the world will too. That was taken right from that speech about the meaning of life. Wow. I, I, I love that. And, yeah, you, you know, I love when I speak to recently, I spoke to a group of students. At, I, I was in student council in high school mm-hmm. and I got to speak to a senior class of student councils at their annual conference recently. And you know what I always tell the students, because we were doing three c- concurrent breakouts and they're all coming in. I, I told the kids, I go, you know what I pay attention to? The kids that walk into an empty room that end up sitting in the front rows. Yeah, because so many of you, I also looked at the people that walked into the empty room and sat in the back. Yeah. And you're going to you're going to complain that the world passes you by while you're making sure you're sitting in the shadow way back there. And and I love telling kids that I go, you know, be brave enough to come up front. You know, I I think that is hard to do. And it's easier said than done. Um, I'll tell you, I was the tweener. Because I'm giving them that advice, but I would have probably sat in the second or third row, you know, when I was in that age. I wouldn't quite get to the front, but I'm a lot closer than the back. I was kind of in between. (laughs) Well, you're 10 rows closer than I, because I would have been in the back, right? (laughs) I was a typical late bloomer. And so, you know, for those of you who might be listening to this podcast, like, dang it, I missed my opportunity. It's like everybody blossoms when they're ready. So, but as long as you get to the front, now I'm in the front. So I think that's the important piece as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's important because I, I, I hear too many times people not being self-aware that they're they're in more control of their life than they really understand mm-hmm. if they can approach it the right way. And, and I'm a firm believer in that because I love when you say show up, 
you know, yeah. make, make sure, make sure you're not only that you showed up, but make sure you're seen. <laughs> that, that, that's an important yeah. piece of the puzzle. Yeah. You know what? You just reminded me, you know, so the, if you don't know my story, I, you know, when I was in university, I failed out of university. And I remember speaking with a, a dean who ended up becoming a mentor of mine. And he said, Ivan, you're blaming everybody else for your failures or your lack of opportunities. There needs to be a time when you take responsibility and accountability for your actions and your behaviors. And it was just like, it hit me between the eyes. It's like, whoa, yeah, he was right. And when I let go of blame and I let go of the shame that came from failing, then I started to make progress because then I was accountable to myself. And you hear that, you know, you swing that, segue that into my affirmation that you heard me speak about, which is I am the captain of my ship and the master of my fate. That reminds me that I am in right. control. Yeah, I, I think that's powerful. Um, and, you know, and I, I like that kind of message because I, I try to embrace it. Um, mm -hmm. I always remind everybody we're all human. It doesn't mean you don't have those moments that you forget it, but yeah. you try to embrace it because it makes sure I'm never the victim. It, it, it yeah. makes sure that I feel that I'm in control and, and I'm a firm believer. I can control what I can control. There's certain things I can't, and I don't worry about that, but I don't, I don't count that up to failure. I count that up to there's certain things I can't control. Circle <laughs> of influence, circle of concern, right? Yeah. It's taken right out of Stephen Covey. And I think that's our last two years. I couldn't mm -hmm. control that. All yeah. I can do is deal with the situation that's been thrown at me. You know, yes. and how do we keep everybody moving? I, I want to go there. You, you do a lot with teams and that impresses the heck out of me because I, I, I give, I have a tremendous amount of admirations to coaches uh, to be, to be not only a teacher, but to have to be part parent, part inspirational, part blending all of this family together, working towards a goal. Um, advice for people, because one, if you've had a team that's been together for a long time, that's a little different than you've got a team and maybe part of them have been together a long time. And now I'm getting a lot of new players introduced because I promise you a lot of the people listening to this right now, that's their world. Mm -hmm. I have a team. Some of them are with me. Some of them have stayed with me through COVID. And now I've got a lot of new players coming back. How, what advice do you have for people in bridging that gap and building strong teams? Yeah. So I want to remind people that, you know, when you're leading a team, that every team goes through what we call Tuckman's model of group dynamics. And you probably heard of these stages, but they're forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. When a team comes together, everybody's excited. They're like, yeah. Yeah, we're excited. Whatever you say, boss. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm ready to go. And they're all falling in line. And they're like, oh, man, I love my team. But then they get to the storming stage, which is like, well, why does Bob get to do that job? I'm better at that job. Well, can you believe the way Sally looked at me? Or why does Sally get to do that? Like, there's conflict as we try and sort out what we do, how we communicate, how we, how, who's best at what task. That's normal to get to the stage called norming, right? Forming, storming, norming. That's when everybody accepts their roles. You had a, you know, you might've had a misstep, you had, you figured it out. You have to go through those three stages to get to that place where automaticity happens. That the thing we call performing. So sometimes people get to these teams, like my team's conflict, there's this, there's that. No, recognize that when you're leading a high performing team with high performing individuals, they're gonna push you. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be stress. That's okay. Don't ostrich it, meaning put your head in the sand. Deal with those challenges. Make people feel like they heard. And most importantly, make that team feel like they matter and they belong. Don't let go of the most important thing that 
comes from making a high performing team is this thing called cohesion, right. how well they stick together, how well they're interconnected, how well they feel like they belong, because that's where you want to get to, right? Those first four of the five stages, that's the keys to making a high performing team matter and work. I, I love that. And, and when you talk about that cohesion, what, what advice do you have for keeping that cohesion when things aren't going right? Yeah, well, I'll give you another great example. You know, I was just in Trinidad and Tobago. We had to play Nicaragua. Our team started to implode. We almost lost the game. It didn't go well. Everybody was at each other. And you know, when things don't go right, if I'm the leader, I put my hand up. My bad. I was accountable because you know what? I didn't set us up. When If one person has a bad day, okay, that's on them. But when three, four, five, when the team's internal communication is broken down, that's something I did as a leader. And I put my hand up and I said, I'm, I'm accountable. And we've had a conversation. Here's the things that I see. Here's the role I played. My apologies. Here's how I think we can do better. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions? Notice I'm inviting them in to be a part of the solution. There's a problem, identify it. I own it, yes, right. I'm accountable to it, right. right? Let's move towards the solution. And if we can do that by inv investing in them, you will see you will get to your other side of excellence way sooner and way more efficiently than the other way around. Yeah, I, I love that because, it, you know, you said something and I, I, I understand it and know it. And um, I, I, I think people struggle with emotional intelligence and understanding. Look, co conflict is just part of us being a group of people trying to strive for something. And, yeah. and that's going to come from time to time. And we should welcome it um, as long as I always say, as long as it's respectful and, and with the right initiative and the right motives, yes. but we should embrace it and celebrate it and, and then be able to move towards something. But let me ask you a question here. So we've all had this, you, you have that high performing team and then, and then you have your, your issues at times, and, and maybe we have some challenges going on. How do you deal with the bad actor? How do you deal with that one bad performer that you know is in that team and sometimes, you know, calls out? I know it's not always there, but many times we end up with that one, that one person that can kind of derail just a little bit of that momentum. Absolutely. Well, I've dealt with it all different ways. You know, as a soccer coach, my very best player one time, a guy from Spain, Valencia, Spain, exceptional player. If everybody on my team was a seven or eight, his score would have been 11 or a 12 out of 10. After trying to work with him, having the conversations, after coaching him, he still wasn't willing to buy in. It was time for me and him to part ways. And I let him go. Right. Right. You know, sometimes we think about talent or their contribution, all this, but it's so detrimental to morale. I let that person go every single time. And sometimes it might be me that's the toxic person. And it's time for me to go. Right. I fired myself from a team because this team and me weren't in alignment. Right. right? And I, and I, I can't sell this short enough is that, you know, we, we can't push a rope. Personality is stable and enduring. And if the personality of a person is not fitting within your team, sometimes we want to, we can change everybody. We can do this. We yes, no, I don't give up on people. And all that energy you're putting into that person, you could be putting into your high performers and you're leaving your team resource poor. You know, it, it, that is something I, I would take away in business specifically. I think we do that too often. We yeah. spend so much time with our weaker performers, for a lack of a better word, word instead of 
really spending the time on our, our A performers to set, like, these are our top players. Yeah. Why wouldn't I be spending my time with my top producers? Um, it, it, I guess that's just intuition. We're always trying to grow, help and teach versus saying, you know, th- these people got it. Maybe I'll leave them alone, but they could probably benefit from our, our time. Well, it's the nature of who we are as leaders. We won't, we don't want to leave people behind. Right. Right. And we feel like we can make a difference. We feel like we can change that person. It's the altruism in us. And we like, oh, no. And it's also our own ego and vanity, meaning we feel like a failure if we didn't get them on the bus. Right. And to your point, it's absolutely true. The A plus could be a plus plus. And what happens when we do focus on that high level and they raise the bar, what you'll see is that group just underneath them, the B pluses and the B minuses are pulled up with that group that elevates themselves. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And it's, you know, I, I'm smiling because it's, I think it's all coaches. I can, I can coach anybody up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I can't, <laughs> you just realize sometimes you can't because you don't have the time yeah. and the resource. And I think it's our, it's our greatest resource that we sometimes, you know, don't, don't use appropriately. It's something I recently, I, I, um, in in our company, I, I have a phone call, a 30-minute meeting with every single employee in our company once a quarter. And it's funny because the the employees always say, my teammates always say the same thing. It's, you know, I, I thank you for taking the time because I know how busy you are. And and I always say, look, if I really believe that our, our talent is our greatest asset, my, my time should reflect it. And I'm trying to put my time into that. But what you just said right now was it's kind of where we're going to is like, how do I start investing these resources in the right area to say, and in our case, how do I take a $14 million a year seller and make them $18 million a year? Yeah. How, how can I do that? And, and, and if we invest the time and the, the energy and the resources around it, will it make sense? And will it make a difference? And, and, and we're kind of beta testing that right now with, you know, one of our top markets to say, okay, let's see how this works. And then saying, can we use that model in other markets as well? I, I, I and, and I think sometimes that used to feel so I, I think just abnormal, like that's not what we should be doing, but we're exactly trying to put our money where our mouth is into that statement, because I think it's the most valuable thing we can do for the company. And candidly for a, somebody that doesn't carry that kind of goal, it takes a little pressure off of them as well. <laughs> because from yeah. the company perspective, it starts to grow. I think that's exactly what you were referring to in, in a different 100%. model. Yes, yeah. 100%. That is exciting. Um, well, so tell me, I, I, I got a question for you on, I, I, and I'm always fascinated with people that have coached teams, you know, and, and you trying to move people towards this kind of performance. Um, what was your hardest group to bring together? And, and I don't need it as far as who they were, but as far as that example, what did that look like as far as the team that you, it was probably your greatest struggle to get everybody working towards the same goal? Yeah. So I'll say it this way, you know, when a team's had success and with a leader, right. And they've had success and then a new leader comes in, that's forced it on them. Like, so that was me. I came in, well, this is just like, like, who are you? Yeah. Like you get kid from the States. What, you know, this is how we do it here. And your credentials aren't the same and all of that. And you, and you want to go in there and you want to prove that you can do it. But if you go too fast, 
right? What will happen is they they don't want to come with you. And so you've got to be patient and listen and listen. So I had a group of executives and senior leaders that I was leading when I was a new vice president of the university. And what was hard is I got the job as a designated hire. And so that's, that's Canada's word for saying affirmative action. Yes, I had a PhD. Yes, I had all these things. But because it was an affirmative action hire, it sent a message that, hey, Ivan, you only got the job because you're Black. Right. Right. So immediately you show up and you are disadvantaged. People don't think you're qualified and you don't think you're good. And so I want to show everybody how smart I am. I want to show everybody how, yes, I, I don't listen. No. And what happens then is you stop doing things the way you normally would do them patient and methodically. You want the big wings. You want the quick wins. You want to show everybody that you're a champion. And in doing that, you step on people's toes. You step on people's areas instead of being slow and thoughtful and saying, well, who do I need to engage in when I make this decision? Who's outside of my department that I might offend from the politics and all of this that I need to be thinking about? And so sometimes you want to come in there and make a splash and show how smart we are. But yeah. those short-term quick wins will, will be detrimental for our long-term success because we'll make enemies. And I made enemies, right? I made enemies because yeah. of my, my quick-to-action move. And I spent a lot of time putting out fires a lot of time building and, and, and trying to re-engineer um, relationships that were strained. And so it's hard when you come in in the shadow of somebody else, when you come in as perhaps not deserving, right? From somebody else's perspective. But that wasn't about me. And what I needed to do was let go. That wasn't a story about me. That was about them. Right. And I needed to own my own space. I wasn't confident enough. Yeah, you know, that that is so telling because I, I, I've been talking to certain young leaders that they, they sometimes can't separate that I have the authority to make a decision or to move forward, but that doesn't mean that how I socialize an idea, how I socialize this process actually doesn't matter. It matters greatly. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean I don't have the authority. I can make the decision right now and we can move forward. But that yeah. doesn't mean it's going to make it effective. Doesn't mean I'm going to get buy-in. And candidly, as you just said, I'm going to spend six months putting out fires yeah. because I didn't take the time to bring people in before I make a decision yeah. that I have full authority for. I think people confuse authority with influence. And my Amen. biggest job as a, as a leader is to influence. So do you agree with that then? Yeah. Yes. And, and I couldn't have said it better because if you come with authority, the action that you're creating or the behavior you're trying to do is not sustainable, right? And if you come with influence, then you've got 15, 16 other leaders behind you maintaining that action. And it's, system, it's systematically sustainable. And your work is way less, I'll say, arduous and in the trenches and in the weeds. You now can leave that machine behind. I appreciate that, Ivan. And, you know, it's interesting because you, what you just talked about following somebody, I, I think that's a great lesson for people. Sometimes we're following environments and we're getting a job. We're following environments that they were good and people love that leader and they really enjoyed that leader. And for a variety of different reasons, there's a change. I, I think too many of us tend to not respect the environment we're walking into at times. And what you just said, I had a similar experience in my life in a previous job. And I was following somebody who had been there for quite a long period of time within the company and had moved on because of personal reasons. And I knew them well. I knew some of the people in the organization well. But my very first meeting with, you know, the presidents 
of all these different organizations that I was having to be a part of. I'm sitting there and you can see on their face the literally the suspicion around, okay, who's this person yeah. that's sitting in the seat? And the president of the company introduces me, tells me about the job, tells them, tell, asked me to tell them a little bit about myself. And I did. And then I said, at the end of it, I said, look, I, I know who I'm following and I know that there's a great deal of respect and admiration for that individual. I go, so, but let me put it this way. Um, you know, that person was Joe Montana and, and yeah. And with the Niners, they went in and went for, you know, four Super Bowls. I go, um, I'm a little bit more like Steve Young. I, I'm going to run a little more than Montana did. I'm going to pass just as much as he did, but probably run a little bit more. It's going to look a little different, but the point is we're going to run the same offense and I'm still going to get a Super Bowl. Yeah, that was the point. I got a lot of laughter out of it. And, and, and then for the room, I said, and for those of you from the Midwest, I get that I'm Aaron Rodgers following Brett Favre. And, and, <laughs> and, and then it relaxed the room. And yeah. I remember to, and the reason I share that is that a president later told me, Mike, your humility in that moment allowed all of us to take the opportunity to get to know you. Yeah. Because we, we had our guard up to say, okay, who's this know-it-all coming yeah. in? And what you just said is, I'm not saying I know it all. I'm saying I got to learn the offense and I got to, I'm going to run it a little differently, but we'll make it go. Um, I know, just think that's an important message for a leader. Amen. And why, why you're able to do that, Michael, is, is it speaks again, the secret of the meaning of life. You were confident. You had a genuine belief in your ability to accomplish the task at hand so you could extend grace towards that group. Yeah. And you just said, to me, one of the words not used enough in business is grace. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think it, it's something we, we actually try to refer to often. And my, my chief uh, sales officer, who I know you met, Ashley, while we were in San Antonio, she uses that word a lot and, mm -hmm. and actually uses the word about, guys, it's okay to have a little grace with yourself. Yes. <laughs> that, that we're always not always doing it right. We're not always perfect. And that's okay. Um, I, why is that so hard for leaders, though? Um, in your experience, because you've had a lot of experience with a lot of different leaders out there. Yeah, well, leaders are typically high performers. They're A-type personalities. I'll tell you that I've worked with two number one draft NBA draft picks in the last 10 years that were, one was out of the league in less than three years and one was out of the league in less than a year and a half. And, and well, at least traded to another team and then out of the league in four years. And what happens in those folks that are, that they can't extend grace towards themselves is because they're perfectionistic. Right. We have this thing in sport that we call maladaptive perfectionism. When you are so wound so tight, then you, you got to get it right. You got to get it perfect. Or you're like, it creates barriers. It creates freezing. It creates people afraid to make risks. It creates angry people. People don't want to play with you. They don't want to share with you. You've got to let go of being perfect. And leaders, it's hard because that's how they got here. They got here by being extra, by doing it extra perfect. And what happens though, as you move up and higher into the organization, if you can't extend yourself grace because there's too much going on, there's your portfolio went from an inch big to three, five feet wide. Right. And so you can't be perfect in all that. You just don't have the bandwidth. And so if you can't extend yourself grace, what happens is you implode and you implode at the wrong time or on the wrong person. And it it's debilitating. That That is... Um... That is something I'm sure you see not only in sports, you probably see in business because we, we lots. Yeah. And, and that is that is the one that I think is a, a stretch for people, because I, I love sports 
because I've always said, I think they emulate life. Mm-hmm. And there and there's some really great lessons that we can we can learn from sports. Um, I, I don't know if you saw recently there was this um, there was this article that was written uh, and it was about Giannis uh, because the Milwaukee Bucks had just lost Game Seven. Yes, um, but they were talking about his emotional intelligence for a 27 year old because the question from the reporter came out about the devastating loss in Game Seven, and his point was wasn't devastating it's a game somebody has to win somebody has to lose and and his reflection was brilliant because when you talk about reflection of the failure he said i've won an nba title i'm in the second round of the nba playoffs and i'm 27 years old there's many 27 year olds that will never get to experience the second round of a playoffs and he Mm -hmm. said i it's a lesson i'm going to learn from it we can grow from it and then we'll be back and do it again. Yeah. And, and for a young athlete, I find it so refreshing. And I've read enough about Giannis that I know that's who he is truly that he, he feels, he feels that it is the, the most brilliant thing in the world that he's able to play in the NBA. And he feels that it's a gift and, and it is a privilege. And I think he approaches everything that way. And I, I, I wish you can translate that into leaders in business understanding it that at certain times we're going to lose and it, it doesn't feel good but I don't want my team feeling that loss for weeks on end <laughs> how do you how do you get a team to get over it quickly now I know you said owning it but yeah. that 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 helps but you know they're still in their head because yeah. somebody may have missed a shot somebody may have done something that they thought could have how, how do you help people get over that hump mentally Well, I'll say this. Um, I don't think you can ever get over it quickly, but what you can do is shift the attention to the next thing. And so in order to help people move along, it's you've got to have the next shiny object, the next shiny project, the next big challenge, the next project so that they can't afford to perseverate on yesterday. Because if you perseverate on yesterday, you're not moving forward. And so by giving them something to throw their heart and soul and energy back into, that's okay. That's where you get them moving. Yes. Give them some time to grieve because that's a loss. That's okay. Get them. Okay. Now what? It's on to the next one. Right. And it's the, it's an art to figure out how much time is the appropriate and the right time, but it's got to be a little bit of time for them because they need that. And then it's like, okay, we got to go. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Uh, I even, you said something that it's an art and I, I, I truly believe that. I, I believe that there's a lot in leadership that is a little bit of an art for great leaders. Um, mm-hmm. Explain people, explain to people what that means or what you mean by that, because I think some of that is getting into understanding our instinct and filling our gut and, and trying yeah. to tie that together. Can you, can you help yeah. people help to identify that? So I'll use a sport analogy and then I'll show a corporate analogy. So when I say it's the, it's, Okay, I need to know people well enough to understand what and how to get the best out of them. So if I have this one player, we'll call him Bob. I remember I had a player, Bob, and to get him ready for a game, I his helmet, arr, arr, like it's like a lot of grunting and groaning. He needed to be pumped up. And then I met a player, Paul. And in order to get Paul ready for a game, if I got him pumped up, you go into the first game, red card, he's out of the game. We're down a player. <laughs> and so my job was to calm him down. He would went, go for a walk. He wouldn't even do the warm up with the rest of the team. 
I had another player, Ruben, where everybody wore a blue shirt. He wanted a red shirt with a heart on it. If you're like, but that's not what we do. We all wear the same thing. Everybody needs to be treated fairly, not equally. I need to know what makes everybody tick. That's the art of leadership. What motivates you may not be what motivates me. And so in the corporate world, what does that look like? It means I'm sitting down with the coffee. It means that my work, my 30 minute phone calls aren't just about the job. How's your family? What's going on? Are you asking questions? What's something that I'm doing by accident or on purpose that I need to stop doing because it creates frustration for you and doesn't help you do your job? The other side, what's something I'm doing on, on purpose or accidental that I don't know that you really love that keeps you motivated so I know to keep doing it? That's the art. And the art, you notice, is a science and the fact, meaning it's the two-way communication for me to get yeah. the data so that I can apply that to know how to work you. I, I love that when you talk about treat fairly but not equally. Um, I, I, I've, I've said it a different way, and I like your way much better. Um, <laughs> but I, I've always said, like, I treat everyone the same, but I approach everyone differently because I understand them. But I, I like the way you said that because it is because sometimes the way I say it, we, we've left out the word fairly. Mm -hmm. And I, li I like that. That's such an important word. But I, I, I think that's something people don't understand, you know, completely. And um, it, it's an important one that everybody's motivated a little differently. I, I have found personally, some people need, um, need recognition more than others. And that doesn't make it wrong or right. It just yeah. means others are fine. Others don't like the spotlight. Um, and that makes them more uncomfortable. That doesn't motivate them. It actually demotivates them. And I, it's my job to figure that out. Yes. To figure out what. Yes. Needed. Effective leaders take the time to figure that out. Yeah. And, and I think it's important that effective leaders also recognize when we miss it. Because <laughs> sometimes <laughs> I've missed it and I admit it to say. Yeah. I'm still learning about you and I'm still learning who you are and what makes you tick. Um, but, but I, what you just said uh, all the way around. And I think we, we were talking about this earlier is it's time. Where, where are we spending our time? Mm -hmm. And if we're not spending it about learning and, and understanding our teams and what motivates them, um, that's an important one. I, I, I want to, this is personally, this just happened within our organization, but can you share with people how do you learn if it's not in your nature to help celebrate the people that move on from you? Yeah. Somebody wants to leave your team for another opportunity, but it's good for them, even though it may be bad for your team. How do you start to train your brain uh, to be able to celebrate that? You know, th this is a really good question because I see a lot of people. It's like, oh, so what about me? What is about like, like it, when you stop thinking about what's in it for you? Like, you know, this is about this greater sense of purpose. What is your job as a leader? Right. And, and so you'll hear a couple of mandates come from me. Leave it better than we found it. Right. And right. allow people to maximize and achieve their potential. Right. If we do that and it happens to be in our organization, excellent. You know, when we know that's the greatest blessing to ourselves, when somebody has been able to move on. And so if you're all caught up in it, what does it say about me? It says you're an effective leader. So if you can interpret that, if that's what you need to interpret it, yes, I've done my job. But recognize also that new growth, new blood, new infusion of talent into your organization is important and essential. It keeps your organization fresh and innovative. 
And so don't see that as a downside because talent is everlasting. The pipeline is huge. And you've done such a good job, you know you can do it again more efficiently even. So those are the things I know and I tell myself. I, I love that. And I think that's a missing piece for people that what you just said, I'm a firm believer in. I think organizations become insular <laughs> when they don't have people move on. And, and you know, I, in this world that we talk about diversity, um, I always tell people that I think they miss the point sometimes. Diversity of thought is the goal we're trying to, to really get to. And you can't get to diversity of thought without fresh perspective and without new experiences coming to the table. And what you just said, in my experience, every time I brought somebody new, it's moved us all a little bit further in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what's, what's really interesting is what you just said as well, we, we tend to be at a different stage when somebody moves on, which means the competency and skill set I bring in is even more advanced yes. than the person leaving. But I wouldn't have been able to bring that kind of advancement in if it wasn't for the person that had built it before they left. Yes. If that makes complete. I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's kind of how I look at it. No, it's absolutely true. And what, and, and as, so as a result, you move them to the, through your system to be a high performer, much more quicker, much quicker. If that's the word, much more quicker, much quicker. <laughs> and you get that return on your investment. So, so much sooner. Yeah, I, I always get a kick out of it because somebody's leaving you, you've mentored them and I've heard it from leaders before how much time and energy they put into this individual. And I'm like, you mean you did your job? Yeah. Your, your job was to develop somebody so that they could be promoted either within your organization or outside. And sometimes, unfortunately, I know I don't have the right career step for them within the organization. So I will celebrate them. And, yeah. and I, I always have one simple comment when somebody resigns. Is this good for you and you good for your family? Yeah. And if it is, I will celebrate that all day. And I am always here to help in any way I can. And look, we, we recently had one this week. This is why it's top of mind. And uh, it's somebody who their lifelong passion has been around animals. And they're going to have an opportunity to work for one of the largest animal rescue uh, programs in that part of the country. And, and when I heard that's what they were going to do, my only comment was so few of us get the opportunity to mirror our, uh, to match our passion with a job opportunity. And I'm glad you're able to find that. And, and as I told that individual, I said, and as I told our head of HR, they want to go save animals on the planet. I go, I got nothing. (laughs) I I have nothing to combat against that. Like, how am I going to say, no, you should stay here. Uh, Help us, help us sell another hotel room instead of saving that animal. Um, All I can do is celebrate them and move them forward. But I find that to be so hard. So many leaders take it personally. Yes. That somebody is leaving them. And I quite, I can't put my head around that. Yeah. You know, and again, that's, it's about, you know, that's about our ego and our vanity. They have left me that I wasn't good enough. Oh, why would you do that to me? Versus how happy am I? Right. This is exactly what I started. This is why we came in here and it's good for the organization. As you said, Mike. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer that we need, we need fresh blood and fresh attitude. Not all of it, because if I turn mm-hmm. over the entire team, I've got chaos. Yeah. <laughs> but at the right moments, and, and to me, again, going back to sports, it's having a, you know, a youthful team and really inserting the right veteran leadership and presence that moves them faster 
and vice mm-hmm. versa. You have a great veteran yeah. team and you bring in those young legs that really help the team even become more faster and more effective. I, I just think we sometimes miss that and we're afraid of it because uh, personally, I think as leaders, it requires work. Yes. When I have somebody new, because I started this by asking you, how do you work with teams as you're inserting new people? So yeah, part of that question was a little selfish. I wanted your advice on that. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, Ivan, we're, we're getting to the end of time. And I, I mean, I, I love this conversation because you're, you, you, I, I, your smile, you know, is from ear to ear. And I love that because I think everybody's smile says everything about them. And, you know, since I was this big, that's what people have always referenced. It's like, you just have this smile. I go, oh, blame my parents because. Joy in the heart, right? Joy in the heart. It really is. And I wake up and say, life's too short not to be happy, you know, so I choose to be happy. Um, Any parting words of wisdom for those listening? Because, you know, life's journey is, um, I'm laughing that, you know, the, what we've been focused on in the last two years has nothing to do with the headwinds that we're seeing moving forward right now. Um, the, the headwinds are many, um, and there are a lot of unknowns at the moment. So words of wisdom for people leading teams through a lot of uncertainty that's going to be in front of us. Yeah. And I think the world is full of uncertainty right now. And I, and I, I you know, somebody came to see me the other day feeling all bad about everything and their challenges. You know, and, and there's a lot of noise in the world happening. There's a lot of tragedy in the world happening as well. And so sometimes it's hard to remind ourselves of how blessed we are, how fortunate we are. I will say this, right? You didn't get to where you were by accident. You, you, you know, whether you're in a leader, whether you're an emerging leader, you got here because of the things that you did, your effort, your work, your communication, your teamwork. Lean on what you have done to help you get there but add to it the wisdom of mentorship. Nobody does anything alone. And so when you're stuck, when, you're, when you don't know where to turn to, who are the people that you can trust? Who is the person that loves you and gives you support unconditionally? Or the person in the organization that you have a lot of respect and admiration for that you can go to for wise counsel? Sometimes in this world, we feel like we're all alone. And instead of turning to each other, nobody does anything alone. And if you can remember that, look out and watch yourselves soar. Oh, God, I, I love that, Ivan, to close. You know, it's so basically your message is if we're alone, it's because we chose to be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is that is an amazing message to, to finish this out. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Like I, 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 I know in my life personally, I've gotten here not only through my my personal support and mentorship, but professionally, I, I've got an army of people that uh, I can always lean on and can always call. And, and I know that they're always there to lend unconditional support and finding that network makes a difference and understanding who it is. So Ivan, thank you. I mean, we could go all day. I know we could, uh, but I really appreciate it. We'll probably invite you back at some point, uh, but thank you for being with us uh, and thank you for your time and your wisdom. Uh, I know it means a lot to me personally and to the Alhai family, but for the people listening, I know they're really going to appreciate it. So thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Take care and all the best, you folks. All righty. You have a good one. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Beyond the Meeting Room, presented by Associated Luxury Hotels International. Alhai is a global sales and marketing organization representing the finest luxury hotels, cruise lines, and destination management companies. For the latest industry news and to see Alhai's robust portfolio, follow us on LinkedIn and check out our website at alhi.com.